everyone. Thank you for joining me on another exciting and informative episode of the Paralegal Voice on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Jill Francisco, an advanced certified paralegal and immediate past president of NALA and your host of this episode of the Paralegal Voice. I have 25 years of experience and I am so excited to share my knowledge and enthusiasm for the paralegal profession with you. So, Before we begin today, we'd like to thank our sponsors, ServeNow and Nala, and a big welcome to our sponsor, InfoTrack. So today, we're going to be trying something new and hopefully fun with episodes of The Paralegal Voice, and we hope that if it's well-received or, you know, maybe if it's not, I still may do it. Um, But either way, we're going to try to move a little bit away from the real strict interviewing format that we've been doing and get into a little more conversational format with some very experienced paralegals that I've come in contact all across the country that are all, you know, in all different areas of the law and all different areas of, you know, in-house or, you know, private law firms and just a lot of different things so we can hit some hot topics and matters and very, we want to get like very useful information to our listeners for paralegals. So with that, let's get started on it. Today, I'm super excited to have Nancy Jordal, ACP, FRP, FCP, join me today for a conversation regarding things that paralegals can do to expand their knowledge, brand, and their skill set. And we're going to be focusing on like how to get published, how to get involved if you would like to do speaking engagements. And then lastly, we're going to have a little conversation and information to how to get into teaching if that's something that you have on your um, professional goals list. So Nancy, before we get started with our discussion, would you like to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, Jill. I know you know all about me, but um, for your listeners that don't, um, I'm a litigation paralegal at Weinberg Wheeler Hudson's Gun and Dial in Orlando, Florida, and I have been a paralegal for over 25 years. I've worked kind of at every type of firm, a small firm, a small practitioner, and then also medium size. So I haven't worked in a huge firm, so I guess not every kind. I'm currently vice president, president-elect for the Central Florida Paralegal Association, and I am the secretary treasurer for the Orange County Bar Association Paralegal Section, and I also serve on the Florida Registered Paralegal Enrichment Committee. And finally, I have in the past served on the NALA Board of Directors and the Continuing Education Council. So that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Yes, and you're definitely right. I know all about you, and that's exactly why you're on this show, because you have a really good and broad, I'd like to say, like your experience level. And obviously, some of our professional experiences overlap. Like, you don't have that large firm covered, so I got you on that. (laughs) Um, But I haven't done, like, all the other jobs. I worked at a small plaintiff's firm, I guess, coming out, but you know, mostly all my years in a large defense firm, but you have a really broad, you know, experience level of doing extra curricular things outside of just our day-to-day job. And I think that's what we really, I think you and I both understand the importance of sharing with our listeners about why they should do those kind of things. Because sometimes I think you get in your job and you think, okay, you know, my career's going great and I'm just working along and, you know, achieving my goals within my career. And you kind of forget that there's a whole other thing out there. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times people say, how do you keep energized and interested and excited about the career when you've been doing it? Because I think, I think you're a little bit longer, but, you know, as long as we have, and I think you may agree with me, it's one, It's stuff like this. 
Do you do you agree with that? Def- I definitely do. And for me, the extracurricular things are a way for me to be a little bit more creative and also a way to challenge myself oh, personally and professionally. That's that's a good point. We were just talking earlier, you know, that sometimes you're not going to get that kind of stuff through your employer. And, and right. you, you know, you're not going to get the challenges. You know your job. You know your job well. There's really nothing different. There's not, you know, you're not really going to elevate yourself. So these are some type of things that I know you and I think are important and we wanted to share. So let's get into, I know that you have been published way more <laughs> than I have. And I think on a different, I think different, different things too across the board. I've done more of a conventional um, columns and things with my experience in the professional associations, but share with your listeners because I think it's super important on how you really got into all that and how they can get the information from you for they to get started if they would like to do it. Well, I actually first got interested in writing articles for uh, publications when I got assigned to the NALA's uh, Continuing Education Council Committee, and uh, that committee is responsible for NALA's Facts and Findings publication. And I wasn't really aware before I joined that committee about how eager they are to get content and so they're always, people are always looking for content for their publications. And so I started being able to provide that. Also, it's difficult. And I think it's become maybe more difficult. And I don't know why. <laughs> but I mean, you know, and not just with paralegals, but finding, you know, because I mean, you know, lawyers can write our articles, you know, judges, I mean, you know, across the board for the for our listeners that read that magazine in particular, they know that it covers a wide variety of topics. And it's hard and difficult sometimes to get authors or to get them to write. And I think that sometimes they don't understand the value that you gain when you do this type of thing. Right. So, And I think part, partly I was afraid, like, oh, I'm not going to be good enough to write for that uh, awesome publication. But you know, these, and I don't have perfect grammar and punctuation, but these bigger magazines have somebody that can help you out with that. So that if you're at home and you're thinking to yourself, you have an article in you, don't be afraid to get it out just because you don't think you have perfect grammar. Say like you, and it doesn't even have to be like something that you've written. Like some people think that that means like, oh, I have something that I've written and now I would like to get it published. But it doesn't even necessarily have to be like that. You know, when you, I want you to kind of talk about, go back to where you said that you were creative. So it's like almost like where you feel like there's something missing or something you were looking for. And then you just, you just step up and create it. And then now you can share it. That's correct. For me, I think maybe the first article I wrote, it was probably on something that I really knew a lot about. And so I felt comfortable talking about it. But after that first one, I've got kind of like, ooh, I got that off my my plate. I, I, <laughs> and nobody told me that was the worst thing I ever read. Um, I, I started thinking about doing different articles on different topics because I kind of enjoyed enjoyed the experience. And so one of the things that I do is I write about something that I want to learn more about. Like I recently changed jobs like two years ago. And in my new position, I do much more construction defect work than I ever did before. And so I wanted to know more about construction defect law. And I I couldn't really find what I was looking for, just like the basics for paralegals. Right. And so I'm like, well, I'm going to have to write this article <laughs> <laughs> so to to help me a and to help others that that are looking for this information that's missing in the world. 
Right. And I know that we talked about facts and findings a little bit, but I'm sure that like, you know, when you were looking for articles, it's like and, and looking for resources and things and you saw they were missing. I know that you can go to, I think we talked about local bar associations will have publications and your state bar associations. And you have some unique things in Florida in your area that are an outlet too for publications. If if someone's trying to think of like, where can I go to see like, you know, what kind of content they need. And so then you also can kind of see what you can create. Uh, what are some special outlets that you have down there that you know about? Well, like in Florida, we have a the Florida Registered Paralegal Program, and they do a, I think it's twice a year mm-hmm. publication for for paralegals that they go they send out. But your even like your local affiliated association, your paralegal association, most of those associations have newsletters that they're dying for c- content. They want something that's substantive, that's teaching paralegals how to do their job better, how to learn about a new area of law, things things like that. Right. And I think another thing that's interesting, too, is like, I know, you know, in your job and probably, you know, I know in mine, too, like something will come out that's like new, like say there's an update or a change in like saying serving subpoenas, you know, and sometimes like that and, and, and how the paralegal, you know, plays into that and maybe the forms and, you know, the guidelines and, you know, things like that. I know you recently did one on the billing, which I mean, billing for defense paralegals, you know, is like, I've had to do it since day one, but your article was so useful to me because it creates a different spin. There's always something that somebody else maybe is doing a little tip or a little, you know, a different spin on something that I can take from and then it makes it easier. So it's a learning experience, not only to obviously read the content, but then also, you know, to give your little spin on it, even though something as simple as billing that we've been doing for, you know, (laughs) tons of years. (laughs) Right. Well, and specifically for that one, I did it about the ABA task-based billing codes. And because I was preparing for a um, attorney's fees hearing Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking to myself, how did these things even ha- start? Why, why, why did they create these ABA test-based billing codes? Because like no, you go from firm to firm, and they, they it's the same format. Yes. Yep. So, just a sense of curiosity is what led me to do that that article. I really like your advice to where you were telling our listeners, you know, hey, if you have, if you're a writer that you think that, you know, you have something that you've researched and you can just maybe put your thoughts in a more organized manner, you know, down on paper. And, you know, it's definitely, there's outlets out there that are looking for the content and it's valuable. Like, I mean, I'm sure that people go back to, you know, paralegals that are out there, they can go back to that. I know I have the ABA, that the ABA article that you wrote. Like I go back there and think, hey, what did she say about that? It, it, you put it in a great organized format. I don't have to Google it, you know, and look it up. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 something right. that, you know, you're really helping paralegals. And also, I think I encourage, you know, everybody has their own little, you know, specialty, their own little experience and like things that they feel comfortable with that, you know, don't feel like, oh, is it good enough? Or like, is your grammar going to be perfect? They all have proofreaders and, you know, you can get over that. But the, but the main thing right. is don't be scared to do that because it really is a place that I think it elevates your career professionally because you never know like how what what you're going to learn from it. And then also the experience of just doing it is going to help you in ways you didn't even think. Yeah, well, you're helping yourself and you're helping others. It's it's um, 
good all around. And for me, most of the times I come up with ideas for articles, but there's been times when I've been assigned like a general topic. So sometimes it's hard to like, how do I fit into this specific little niche? One of the weird things I do to come up with ideas is um, ride my bike. Like I, 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 it, it just kind of puts me in more like a little Zen state. And I just stick in my head, like I start off my bike ride, like, what am I going to write about? It, it's kind of shocking how many times I come up with a good idea while I'm riding my bike or working out. Think something I was like say, that. Taking a walk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Putting my mind in a different place yep. helps sometimes. Well, and I think it's a good thing you brought that up to our listeners and gave them a suggestion to what to do, because I think a lot of times that's the hardest, that's the hardest thing is getting a topic. Yes. Okay. Well, so before we go in to our next topic, uh, we need a little commercial break. We'll be right back. How often do you struggle with e-filing? Staying up late to prepare that crucial filing before the deadline, only to wake up to a rejection. InfoTrack allows paralegals and lawyers to file with the court from within your practice management software, saving time and improving data accuracy. Find out which mistakes put you most at risk by downloading the free Top E-Filing Rejection Reasons Report at infotrack.com backslash rejections. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. Welcome back to the Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, and I'm having a conversation today with my friend, Nancy Jordal, and we're talking about some ways that paralegals can branch out, kind of get out maybe of their comfort zone and do some other things besides their traditional nine to five. So to pick up and kind of continue, Nancy and I were discussing um, where you can do uh, get published. Like as a paralegal, you can, you know, do your research, you can learn about something new, create some new content and publish an article. And then a cool thing that Nancy and I were talking about is then once you've done that legwork and you've put in that time, and I think Nancy has has perfected this because obviously she's she's definitely been published numerous times and she has researched on a subject and then you can turn that into a presentation. And that is awesome. And whether, you know, you get requested or you just kind of choose to do that, that's another way that you can get the lead in to presenting, like for a CLE, so for cont- for um, continuing legal education. So Nancy, how is it that like you began? Like I know kind of like how I started, I guess I started like because of the professional associations, you know, you're in the professional associations and maybe you're somebody looking for CLE and so then you make connections and so you know the outlets, I guess, that would be looking for CLE or hosting CLE. And so, but how did you kind of make some of your initial connections that maybe, like I said, you started out writing and then you were like, wow, I could turn some of these into presentations? Well, actually, my first uh, CLE experience came from my local association and I was approached to speak on a topic and I was terrified. I I thought there's just no way I can do this, but it was about the, 
the CLE coordinator wanted me to speak on trial and going to trial is my favorite part of being a paralegal. So I knew that it was something that I was really passionate about. Right. And so I felt I I've, could feel pretty comfortable that I could talk about something like that. So that was my first experience and I researched it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I Googled how, how to give a presentation and, um, what, you mean that old adage, picture everybody in their underwear or something? Yeah, yeah, I, did, I didn't do that. But but I did, like, I brought candy to bribe my audience oh, yeah. <laughs> in case they hated me. I, at least they got candy out of it. So it, the first time is kind of terrifying. So it really does help to have a topic that you're really confident about. But then, yeah, after that, it was more of, I'm like, okay, I, li- I lived through that. I can do it again. And I think maybe the next one I was for, it might have been for a, the paralegal cruise. Oh, the, yeah. She just put, a, she put out a call for speakers and I thought, well, I can do, I can speak on something. And I had personally gone to a CLE and it was about, it was a, it was a, a ethics CLE for attorneys, basically. And the speaker incorporated baseball into his theme. And I thought, that's cool. How could I take something like that, that I love and incorporate it into a legal theme? And so I I incorporated music into that. And and that, so that was kind of my next speaking engagement. After you've done it a couple of times, you just start looking around (laughs) for opportunities, I guess. And sometimes people approach you. The first time, you know, you were saying that you just weren't used to being up in front of an audience and you weren't used to doing presentations. So it wasn't really like the you, you had a good topic. You had a very a topic you were comfortable with, knowledge about, experienced. But, you know, it was more of that factor of, you know, being in front of the audience and, and right. being up there. So once you got that situated, then, I mean, right. did you find out you really enjoyed it? You know? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I enjoy it. Is the word? It's still kind of terrifying, right? But it's very gratifying, mm-hmm. and it, it's and there's always people every time you speak that will come up to you and tell you you did a good job, and I, it just really makes you feel good to right. to have that one on one or not one on one, but that in person experience with right. with people. Well, and I think what I really like too, it's like people can tell. Like I liked it when you said you were passionate and people can tell when you're speaking about something that you're very passionate about. And I love to get the remarks. I mean, yes, I want them to like the topic, but I really more want to motivate them, like motivate them to take one thing, you know, like from the thing and, and you know, implement it or, or you know, develop it or learn it or share it or, you know, something to motivate them to take away. It's really gratifying to know that like, hey, I motivated that person to, you know, elevate themselves in this, you know, in their job or in their environment or, you know, whatever to make a change. That's what's, it is, it is awesome. And I think that, and how you get started, you said you've been asked, you know, to do the presentations. And like I said, I did it a lot, obviously, and and really you were correct. I, I did it, I started with my local paralegal association and that's a really, good way to start because they're always looking for people and you're a volunteer and it's just a way to help out your organization. And then we both have done it more on a, you know, national stage, so to speak. 
the paralegal crews. I mean, that's, you know, hundreds usually in attendance. And also what's cool about that is obviously recorded and then shared at a later date and recorded for content that people can listen to at their leisure, which now is seems like that's a really popular, you know, format (laughs) these days. Now you've done, um, have you done the uh, webinars, like the strict webinars for doing speaking to even before webinars were cool? (laughs) No, not before, but I did. I did do it. Actually, that's I did one right before COVID started. I um, was approached to do one that, that, and I actually got paid for it. So that was extra. Oh wow! They (laughs) they sent they they paid for me to go to Miami and speak, and and um, and got paid some money. I I, wow some small amount, some very small amount of money. But the webinar experience is kind of unusual. But once you get used to it, in some ways, it's it's good because it's. I guess if you really feel like you're blowing it, you can't see an audience looking there looking at you like that's looking bored or anything. You, you right, don't have right. that issue. <laughs> but I I had um, a paralegal association out of Pennsylvania approach me out of the blue from reading an article, and they wanted me to expand on the article and oh, do wow. a webinar. And because, you know, at that time I considered possibly going in person to Pennsylvania, but it was in the midst of COVID and so I couldn't do it. Right. So I did do, it was just a full on webinar and it, it worked out great. Like once you get used to the experience and the logistics of the Zoom. Right. It, 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 it was actually kind of fun. There's two things. There's a lesson and now another revenue source <laughs> for right. paralegals that, yeah. you know, because, hey, that happens small, sometimes. A small yeah. revenue source. <laughs> but, but, but that happens. I mean, it, yeah. it does happen. And it, well, and it is an option. Like you could, when you're, when, you're some, when you're a paralegal and you're looking to do some presentations, I mean, you know, obviously getting started out, but then there's no reason why, you know, that can't be on one of your, if that's one of your purposes, you know, like looking for mm-hmm. a little income, I mean, second income and stuff. And I also think that when you were talking about then that, you know, your opportunity to do a webinar, you opened up doors for yourself because you got your article published, you know, and you had people reading it and then they reached out to you. So it's kind of like this kind of gets leads on to like a snowball effect, really. Right. You know, you just once you get going and you kind of build more confidence and you build, you know, and you think, hey, this is really helping me. I can do this, you know, and that's why it's like I just I encourage people to just try it, you know, get out there because I think it's amazing what you will discover, you know, really is the end result. Yes, definitely. And also, if you know someone who's a great speaker and it's something that you're kind of interested in, talk to that person about it. You know, like like I know you've spoke and I so I got tips from you. Amy Johnson yep. has been a great speaker. I, I think she's great. And so I got a lot of tips from her and like and told her I, I think I'm interested in speaking some. And so when they find if if they know you you are interested, they can pass along opportunities to right. you. Right. And do you think it gets easier, <laughs> so to speak? Um, it does as you go get along? easier. It does get easier because you just learn more tricks to make it better, to fill your time better, to be more interesting. I, I like for me, it's just a, I always I read articles about how to be a better speaker. It, it's it's an ongoing process. Don't, what do you think? Don't you think it gets easier? Oh, yeah, I definitely think it gets easier. And I think it I think it just comes to be like, it's just like any task, 
I think that you do. You know, it's like you just become right. more, you know, you kind of get like in a groove and kind of in like a format of how you're setting your things up. And it just kind of you get more of a flow about you. But, you know, I'm always trying to find the positives out of all this craziness that we're in. And who knows how long we're going to be in the situation currently that we're mm-hmm. in. But what an opportunity that the Zoom technology and, you know, whatever the technology is actually, you know, webinars or right. whatever it is that we've got now where if you've wanted to do something, you know, for a for an organization or, you know, anything, a CLE or for a different company that's out in California, well, we can easily do it now. Right. It's prime opportunity right now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like you were saying that you were doing, so you went to Miami. Is that to what you were saying? In per, yeah, to, to record, record in person. But it was it was a webinar, but they had, you know, they had all the fancy equipment. Right, but. right. That's just amazing. So again, listeners, if you're if you're interested, I love, you know, listen to Nancy when she suggested, you know, reach out to the speakers that you've heard that you've come and like you've gone to things and you've attended CLEs and ask them like, hey, you know, how did you get started? Or do you have some tips for me? I want to get started in speaking. I love that advice. I think that's great. I think that's really great. So before we lead into our last little information and tips, we need to take another commercial break. So we'll be right back. NALA members receive exclusive content, such as the Paralegal Utilization and Compensation Survey Report, access to a members-only collaboration site, discounts on office products and car rental, access and preferred placement on a web platform for paralegal contract jobs, and access to the member-only career center. NALA members also receive discounted education and products. Join NALA today and become a part of our community. Learn more at NALA.org. Welcome back to The Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco, and my friend Nancy and I have been having a conversation today about some neat and interesting things that paralegals can branch out and learn and do kind of things outside the box of their daily grind. So Nancy and I, we just wrapped up our conversation where we were talking about speaking and doing CLEs and things like that. So along those lines, another thing that paralegals can do is serve on advisory boards. And specifically, I think Nancy also has experience in this, but I've served on my local, it's an ABA approved program, Community College Paralegal Advisory Board. Done it for many, many years. Did not graduate from that program, but had some of the teachers when I obtained my bachelor's degree over at Marshall University. I had some of the same teachers that were in, that taught in the community college. And it's really been a neat way to kind of feel like I'm keeping, you know, the the future paralegals abreast and advise what, you know, they should be learning in school because it's ever changing. Nancy, how do you I think you've served on a couple of those advisory boards, haven't you? I have. And it, it's it's very rewarding to get to meet the students because yep. usually they're there when you have, and they, they have a nice, usually a dinner for you <laughs> and right. uh, you get some swag, but then you get to, so then you get to talk to the program director and have valuable input to them about what's actually going on in the profession right now. Right. And also I think it's, I think it's important because I know that you probably do the same. It's like ever changing. Like they may, the school may think that it's really important that they need to focus and emphasize, you know, like for instance, I know one thing was like interviewing, you know, they thought that like interviewing and making sure that the paralegal knew how to interview and not meaning to get a job, but actually witness interviewing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I mean, I don't know about you, but in the, in my career, like I don't do a lot of that at all. No. I've done some, but not uh, a lot. 
not a lot. And I felt like they were focusing so much on it. I mean, having like, you know, three and four class periods taken up, you know, on that. And it's like, then, you know, we can kind of direct them and, you know, guide them and say that is important. It is something that a paralegal may have to do. But, you know, look at this over here. This is really, really important. And I think also telling them skills and different things that the paralegals now should know that'll set them apart when they graduate, you know, like to try to get a job over, you know, say other programs that aren't getting this great feedback and this great advice and these great, like you said, like what's going on right now, that's going to be a leg up for those students in those programs. Right. And you can also just give them, besides giving them advice about if their textbooks are up to date. Right. And if their curriculum follows the right guidelines. But it's important to talk about like the skills that employers are really looking for right at that minute because right. it changes. And like it sometimes does. it's it's soft skills are real, you know, are really strong desire at some points. And sometimes it's e-discovery skills. So... Well, and look right now, now's a perfect example, like look at the different skills that because we've moved to different technology, all the technology now that we're expected to know, and even, you know, courts that are using the different technology because of how the pandemic came about. But I think that there's things and processes that are going to stay around. And so now, you know, even when we are out of the pet pandemic, if and when we ever get out of the pandemic, but, you know, <laughs> that, that are going to stick around because they're a good idea. Like, I don't know about you and your, some of your courts in Florida, but I know uh, a family court here locally where I am in West Virginia, you know, she said our docket has never moved swifter. They are moving things because they had the problem in family court about the people couldn't attend. They didn't have a ride to the hearing. They didn't have a way to get there. They couldn't get a bus that, you know, things like that. And now they're they're doing them electronically. They're doing them via Zoom and or Microsoft Teams or whatever. And so, you know, that technology is going to stay around. And I don't know about you, but I mean, the technology for what do we have now? Mediation by Zoom, depositions by Zoom. I think some of that, I mean, how are you going to get clients in the future to pay the amounts of money, you know, that used to be involved when it works sometimes? Maybe right, not right. as maybe not as perfect, but it's possible. Yes. And I know that, didn't you have, you've had experience with, was it a hearing that you did the exhibits and that was something different that you had to kind of really get a hold on? It was, it was a hearing, but it was like, it was almost like a mini trial. So wow. it, it was... Like it was basically like doing trial by Zoom, <laughs> death by so, trial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's important when you do these advisory committee. If being a member, it it, it your experience is valuable to these young people that are or, or not young or old people that right are are paralegal students. I think it's a it's important when you're somebody that loves being a paralegal, you love your profession, and you want it to obviously be around the future, and that's the future, is those students. And so it that's is. why it's, you know, it's a good connection. So how did you get, how have you wanted to get on the advisory committee or an advisory board of a local um, school? What did you, what did you do? How did you get connected? Well, for, for me, it was um, through my local association, like somebody that must have been the program director asked the Central Florida Paralegal Association if there's anybody interested in helping out. But I think you could just email them and, and tell them you're interested. I bet they'd be thrilled to hear from you. How about you? Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. Like I kind of got involved because it was a former teacher 
that I knew. And like I saw him, you know, and it was a former teacher. And then like now, you know, they were like a judge and they were like, hey, you know, we're looking for volunteers. And so, of course, you know, you and I both, we need the no button, I think, probably. (laughs) And we say, yes, we'll do it. The other thing, I mean, ABA approved schools are required to have an advisory board. So that's one thing you could go to the ABA website and look in your area, in your immediate area, to see what ABA approved schools are there. And that's how maybe you can get some of the connection there to a school because they are required to have a board. I think it's a good idea to have a board. So other non, you know, ABA approved schools may have advisory boards, but that's definitely a way to reach out and get some of the schools that you can email the program director. I mean, get that off their website. Well, so you're you're new to teaching this year. <laughs> have you have you gotten any feedback about advisory boards? Has that been anything that's happened with you yet? Well, yeah. Speaking of yeah, new to teaching. <laughs> one of my one of my last professional goals, and actually, that's kind of funny you should say that because that's how I actually had a goal, you know, years ago that I always thought I wanted to teach because of my love for the profession, and so I think the advisory board got me that lead in, and then. When you were asking about the advisory board, it was funny. So I'm teaching and we were talking about assessment. And okay. the te- yeah, and the teachers were talking about us, you know, the, the program directors talking about assessment. The uh, students were getting educated about assessment at the beginning of the semester that, you know, they're going to be asked to assess, you know, their class and their teacher and the in the and the materials and things at the end. And I was like, and most of the time, the teachers aren't really that, you know, the faculty aren't that really experienced with the assessment. But I'm over here going, well, that is one thing I know about <laughs> because of my experience on the advisory board, I, you know, with the ABA programs. And now actually, most recently, I'm actually on the ABA approval committee that approves, you know, it goes on sites visits to these ABA approved programs. And so I totally understand assessment, why it's necessary, why it must be done, how it's done, you know, the importance of it, and not only just current students, but, you know, their graduates and everything. And so that's one thing that has come up, and it's been funny because there are very, there's a lot of new things about teaching, but that was one thing that I was familiar with. So teaching, we've kind of led into that. That's kind of our last thing that Nancy and I wanted to discuss for our listeners because teaching is another thing that paralegals, I mean, when when you're an experienced paralegal and you've been working for, you know, 10, even 10, 15, you know, 20 years and you want it, you're looking for things to do. And like I said, we've talked about, you know, getting published. We've talked about, you know, being a presenter and speaking and doing speaking engagements and presenting CLEs. But then, you know, there's also teaching and it's an amazing, rewarding experience. I haven't even done it, like I said, for one semester yet. And I I remember after my first class, I thought, have I missed my calling? Because I <laughs> felt so, so excited with those, with my students. I'm teaching, um, I should mention, Intro to Paralegalism and the Ethics class. So back to back, one night a week. But I think that I would have been totally out of my element because clearly I didn't even really know how to figure out the grades. <laughs> it's like, you know, if I make, cause that's the simple stuff, you know, I didn't, I don't have that type of background, but what I do have is all that experience on the job with teaching. And so I feel like, yes, I have this book, I have the textbook, but I'm constantly trying to tell the students about my day-to-day real life 
you know, experiences. And like, you know, the book says this. Yes, that's true. But let me tell you really how important that is, you know, and and really why that really matters. And I give them these examples. And so I'm just hoping that, you know, in all my experience that I'm sharing that and that's going to give them, you know, a leg up, a way to remember things, a way to, you know, build upon and be excited about when they get out in the world, you know, and get their first job. Because I'll tell you what, it's it, it just re- just starting to teach. And let me tell you the people that want to teach. I, th- I recommend it. I mean, beyond. It's been an amazing experience, but it is a lot of work. I mean, it really is a lot of work. I think it's I think it's like I'm glad I started out speaking <laughs> like presentation wise, you know, this is this is another another level. But and it gives you more respect for the for the teachers that are, you know, that do that all the time. How did you end up getting this position? Well, it's funny. It was definitely my connection with the advisory board. And in the past, they had asked me to do it. And my employer just wasn't, and it's not my current employer, but my past employer just wasn't, they didn't want me to do it because I think I might have had to leave, you know, work for like an hour or something. You know how that goes in the at the end of the day. And then they asked me again, and it just wasn't good for me. My plate was too full, and I just couldn't take it on. And so then like through the constant connections with the teachers that I had from the advisory board and the program director, she reached out to me again and asked me right after COVID, because then it was just COVID cutbacks, of course, mm-hmm. and asked me if I could teach. And so that's it finally just timing was right and it worked out. And so that's another reason everything leads in. Like you've told our listeners that, you know, you wrote an article that led into a request for a speaking engagement. And then, you know, I'm on the advisory board and now it's led to an opportunity to be a teacher, you know, and be a adjunct professor, which I'm just, it's, I still look at my ID. I'm so excited about my, with my (laughs) teacher's ID. Did you need any special qualifications to teach? Well, you know, I thought that I always did I thought that like there had to be maybe even some special training, even if it wasn't, you know, like actually the formal education, you know, that you go to school for um, at the university level. But I am told that you can teach the level below that you have. So, uh, for instance, I have my bachelor's degree and so I can teach at the community college level. But the thing is that I do really like is the community college, they have offered us already, like, you know, made us aware of continuing education and things like that. And now I was like, oh, it's not for paralegal, it's for teaching, (laughs) which is, (laughs) which is, you know, totally new to me. But I'm just trying to tell our listeners on this, you know, it's just another kind of, I'd say like on a larger scale of presenting. I mean, don't you think like with CLE, you know, like say, like with, you know, like, I teach two classes, but one is only a 50-minute class once a week. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, to me, if I was doing, if you're doing a one and a half hour, you know, or an hour CLE, you could easily get adjusted and do, you know, a class. But I will say this, we were talking about format and we're talking about technology. And I'll tell you one thing that is very challenging is doing the in-person and the Zoom at the same time. <laughs> so um, it's a lot it's, of work. It, well, and engaging the students and keeping the students engaged. And so that's why I'm glad that I can fall back on some of my, you know, paralegal skills with organization and the different programs that I do have to use. And, you know, because believe me, it, it is challenging. But again, this is a very rewarding thing. It's something else that paralegals can do. And to bring it back, I'm getting paid. 
Mm-hmm. Like I, I signed two contracts at the beginning and they pay they pay me over the course of the semester. And again, not not making millions, obviously, but it's a nice little, you know, chunk of change on the side. And it's just it's just something different to not get in the monotony of your, you know, day to day you know, yeah. and, and do something outside. And like you said, it's definitely a challenge. Like I liked it early when you said a challenge because <laughs> yeah. I, it is, I mean, I may have thought that it was going to be easy, but it's not. <laughs> yeah. I See, I think bottom line, all these things that we've been talking about, it's very rewarding. Yes. It's rewarding professionally and personally to to take on these challenges. Yeah. And I think it's one way, like I said, that if our listeners, if you're somebody that's an experienced paralegal and you're thinking, you know, I'm getting kind of bored, I'm doing the same type of cases, I'm doing the same type of work, you know, what can I do? And I think you definitely look to your professional associations, you know, look how many times have you said, you know, during our discussion today that you got, you know, some kind of connection or something through your local you know, that that's a good place to start. And not only the association itself, but it's the connections and yes. it's the networking. And it's even people like, you know, you've gone to a, a local association event, but then you've met a speaker or you've met a vendor or you've met, you know, it's still those connections that you're meeting that you can utilize personally down the road for yes. things that you want to do. So that's why I always, you know, I get on my, I get on my soapbox about never <laughs> turning down events, you know, don't turn down the, the, you know, the education, the CLE, because how do you, there's so many different things, totally unexpected things that could become of it. That's um, true. You know, how many times have you gone to a CLE that you think I'm never going to use this? And then, right. And then you do. <laughs> and then you do. And it's like, yeah. thank goodness. Thank goodness. I know. So Back to the teaching. So what do you think? Do you think teaching would ever be something that you're going to do? Because you... <laughs> uh, I don't think it's on my list. Not right now. No, not yet. I think my my thing is still just perfecting my presenting is my my next goal. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you what, it's funny you say that because I don't know... Like, I know some paralegals, I mean, you probably know some of the same ones, that they've become a real regular. Like, they've done the teaching, and then they've they've stayed in it, and now, you know, do it all the time, like every semester. Like, they're back to teach. And then we even have, you know, I think a mutual friend that's now, you know, went from being a paralegal to a teacher to now the program excuse me, director, you know, and it's like, it sometimes hits people and they do a total, you know, change. But I, (laughs) I have to say this, it's going to be, I think, to me, a welcome change when the spring comes, because I think these two (laughs) classes that I'm teaching are not offered in the spring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's, that's something too. It's like a change, you know, it's a change. I mean, and like you Mm -hmm. were talking about, very rewarding, I think the thing has changed. So it's like, I'm going to teach, but then I also, you know, can b- get back to, you know, 100%, you know, focus on my career and then, you know, possibly have the opportunity to teach next fall. But right. but honestly, not, you know, taking away from our, our regular job, because as we know, we're still paralegals. That's our main, yes. <laughs> you know, the main our focus. Main, yeah, our main focus. But anyway, well, Nancy, I think that's about all the time we have. And I really appreciate you joining me today for these conversations. And I really think our listeners got some really good tips and hopefully encouragement and motivation to try some of these things that you and I have 
Don't um, be afraid. Give it suggested. a try. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a email or a way that our listeners could contact you if they want to ask some specific things? Because of course, like you said, they may reach out to you and, and have some specific questions on, um, you know, how you got started, you know, with your publishing and different things like that. Yes, and I would be happy to answer any questions anybody had. And my email is N-J-O-R-D, as in dog, A-H-L at hotmail.com. That's njordal at hotmail.com. Well, thank you so much again, Nancy. I appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. You are so welcome. And like I said, I appreciate you sharing all your experience because, you know, some people, uh, some paralegals, like I said, they just need that encouragement. They need that invitation. And we're here to tell you, you can do it. (laughs) I am. I'm happy to encourage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're happy to encourage you, to give you examples, to give you ideas. Um, You know, that's all it takes, you know, and also get together with your, you know, your fellow paralegals. You know, I'm sure you brainstorm, you know, you say, hey, I'm interested in getting into this. What do you think? And throw those ideas around, but, you know, just just do it. Just don't be afraid to do it. Yes, exactly. Okay. So anyway, thank you to all our listeners too for tuning in today with Nancy and I. And if you have any questions for me, you can contact me at jfrancisco at logica.com. And that's L-A-W-G-I-C-A-L.com. And I hope you will join me for our next episode of The Paralegal Voice. I'm Jill Francisco for The Paralegal Voice signing off. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.